0: Thursday Finance. Stephen Pritchard with us today. Now, um... Energy prices just keep going up and up.
1: Yeah, and one of the things you need to look at is is your electricity bill. Now, I had a look at ours this week. We're currently getting a 22% discount from AGL. Um, I rang up AGL and told them I wanted a larger discount. They immediately offered 25%. I told them that Energy Australia is offering 36% to retain their customers. AGL immediately increased my discount to 30%.
0: Well, that's encouraging. And
1: now they're going to get someone to call me back. To see if they can give me thirty six percent. So you know you need to go through your electricity bill, ring them up, and tell them you want at least a thirty percent discount.
0: Can you do that in the middle of your contract?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: right. The phones are running. Because hot the already. legislation
1: was changed, they you can you can you can just cancel those contracts. Ah, so you can just cancel the contract and just go to another supplier. Mm. But you know, Energy Australia is offering thirty six percent for you to stay. So, you know, you're just giving money
0: away. Yes. Yes, I think you're right. And
1: Jane's still paying the old rate, eh?
0: Yeah, I'm sure I am, yes, Uh, the original rate. Okay, so
1: so our discount, you know, we're getting a 50% increase in the discount just for a phone call.
0: Well well done, Stephen. Yes, so anyhow,
1: we'll talk about commodities. Um, The the gold price was uh, uh, down $13 an ounce this week to $1,704. The copper price was... uh, up one point four five percent to nine thousand one hundred and seventy three dollars a ton, and the crude oil price was down thirteen cents a barrel to a hundred and five dollars forty one. Fi- um, the the currencies is a bit of black here for the Australian currency. Um, it was up um it was up point six percent to seventy five dollars and 75.57 cents against the US dollar. Uh, it was up uh, almost 2% in British pound well, to 56.57 pence. And against the euro, we're up 1.5% to 64.50 euro cents. Um, the equities market, um, a bit of a mixed bag around the world. In Australia, we were down uh, 1% on the week uh, or 66.5 Points to six thousand one hundred thirty. The S&P five hundred was up thirteen point two points to two thousand seven hundred thirty three, and the UK index was, um, yeah, almost the same as last week, half a point to seven thousand seven hundred eighty eight points. Um, and some local stocks or stocks that local investors are usually very keen on. Um, BHP um, was, was down sixty four cents on the week to thirty three dollars eighty. Uh, C B A continues its fall down another dollar down a dollar fifty three on the week to sixty nine dollars and sixty three cents. Now if CBA comes out and says they're going to cut their dividend, I think you're going to see a, a dramatic fall in the CBA price because yeah. what's holding it up at the moment is the the, the the dividend, and you know they they've got to spend more on compliance costs. They've got to employ an eight hundred staff. You can see their profit margins are going to have to be cut. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if you see a fall in the uh, cutting the CBA dividend at some stage, um, and um, NIB was down $0.59 cents on the week to $5.27. And uh, Telstra you know, continued its uh, fall to uh, down, I think it's seven-year low, got to a seven-year low in the last week again. Yes. Further lows further from further last low. week. Further mm-hmm. low. Yeah, $2.78, so it's down to $0.10 cents on last week. So poor old Telstra, I think. I think you know the biggest issue in Telstra is that the, you've got someone whose background is insurance running a telco company, yeah. It, you know it just amazes me. The mm. Amazes me, and um, down at uh, the, pe- the petrol bowser, um, this long weekend coming up in a couple of weeks. Oh, do you think yeah, that's to blame uh, for the road? Well, well rising it's actually it's gone up this week. Yeah, it's it gone down, gone, gone down, down. down gone oh, down. Yeah, so then it says uh, one one cent a litre to a dollar forty three. Newcastle, Sydney, a dollar forty a litre, which is down two point seven cents on last week. Uh, the diesel price in Newcastle was a dollar forty eight, which was up three cents, and Sydney a dollar forty seven, which was up
0: four cents. Mm. Mm.
1: So the long weekend's, what, three weeks
0: ago? Something like that. Yeah, so we'll see what happens then. We will see what happens. Thursday, finance and our time to look at the market. Our market update with Henry Jennings, senior commentator with the Marcus Today Financial newsletter. Over to you, Stephen Pritchard.
1: We're back, Henry.
2: We're back, Stephen. Back? We're back.
1: We're back. So... uh, so HealthScope, uh, the board's decided to uh, reject the both takeover <laughs> office?
2: Um, this was a Sir Humphrey moment. This was one of those moments when you say that's very courageous, Minister. Um, HealthScope um, not only rejected uh, the overtures of, um, of their bidders, um, <laughs> that's two of them, um, but they also issued a profit downgrade, which does kind of leads to being very, very courageous Um, and So um, yeah, I'm not sure how this one is going to end. But at the moment, I'm not sure it's um, you know, I'm not sure it's going to be particularly good for Healthscope. They've certainly got to prove that they can turn uh, the company around. It's been suffering, and the profit downgrade did show that it had been suffering. Of course, they've got the big Northern Beaches Hospital opening uh, in October, so there's a lot riding on that. Um, but there'll be a lot of investment bankers, I would imagine, pouring over Healthscope at the moment in trying to break the property side from the um, from the hospital running side, a bit like Bunnings do with their property trust. So um, that would get the debt down considerably. But, you know, turning away two bidders at higher prices and doing a profit downgrade is very courageous, Minister.
1: Unless I they think they're going to make a lot of money out of the Northern Beach as private hospital.
2: Well, exactly. Well, I'd like to think so, but you mm. never know. Mm. We'll see.
1: Must need a lot of sick people up there. Anyhow... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Santos has also rejected the proposal from Harbour Capital.
2: Yes, and uh, another courageous move um, as well. Um, Santos has knocked back um, the Harbour energy proposal. Now, this, I think, is about the, um, the sixth... Bid that Harbour Energy uh, put against themselves, so they actually had a bidding war against themselves. Uh, And Santos' board rejected the 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 last one. It was worth, I guess, you know, six dollars ninety-seven bucks. Um, if, if Santos had gone ahead with all the, um, all the hedging programs that Harbour had put in place. But certainly Santos think that they can do better going it alone. Obviously, the oil price being where it is helps. Um, it didn't help the poor old shareholders, which um, saw the stock drop like a rock um, after the uh, announcement that Santos had knocked it back. I have to say, I, I was always very surprised that the market bid this up to the price it did, 6 44. I kind of like Santos around this price, 586, um, and thought they were, you know, self-sustaining at this price given the oil price. But um, bidding it up to 644 on a bid, okay, it was worth a lot more. But they still had the issue of getting it past uh, the Foreign Investment Review Board, the Treasurer, and as we know at the moment, energy is a particularly politically toxic um, uh-huh. question. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. cost of energy, electricity, gas, etc., and Santos is kind of a strategic asset, a national security kind of asset, so it would be quite possible that uh, it would be knocked back anyway, so I don't really know why everyone got so excited and bid them all about 644. It was always going to end in, um, end in tears, either with uh, Santos rejecting uh, Harbour walking away or the FIRB saying. I'm sorry, guys, not going to work for us.
1: Or the, or um, the, or the South Australian government as well, are not
2: they? Well, the South Australian government, yes. Um, so, you know, it's, um, it was always highly contentious bid, and, uh, and we've now got Santos going it alone and hoping that the oil price stays where it is, I guess. Yes.
1: And, of course, then there's a proposed uh, possible or maybe takeover for sealing, which is the... The ferry business that runs to uh, Kangaroo
2: Island and other places. Yeah, well, C-Link, um it's it's kind of always on the radar as a stock that would benefit from tourism and you know, the great influx uh, that we see into, uh, into Sydney, because so they run uh, some of the uh, the ferries and the boats around Sydney Harbour, etc. Um, but but I have to say, it has been a complete disappointment as, as a stock and it really has done nothing but kind of just drift downwards until uh, the other day when we saw um, what potentially could be a, a Chinese um, approach to, um, to buying it. I'm, again, I'm not really sure that um, this one's going to get over the line either. Um, yeah, we shall see but um, at the moment that there's a certain amount of frosty relations between um, Australia and, and China. Um, and I'm not sure that um, the FIRB is going to really give them the all clear on this one. But who knows? Who knows? Stock's looking certainly better. It's back up to where it was um, back in uh, back in November, which is around 4:30. It was it did get down to 380. So um, it's 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 not been a great success story, I have to say. But um, mm-hmm. some hope for shareholders on the horizon, at least.
1: Yeah, so we'll just come back in a minute and talk about uh, Surtex, sure. which is another, oh, another Chinese
2: another bid. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah so uh, there was an offer for for Surtex, and then right at the last minute when they were shareholders were about to vote, a further offer came. <laughs> yeah. And now the first offer said so they're not prepared to increase their price.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, this this is a complicated one. Talk about at the last knocking um, in the in the midnight hour, I guess um, we did have a, a, a Group C D H um, bid. Uh, I think it was thirty three dollars sixty, and the deal had already been kind of agreed and was about to be voted on at twenty eight dollars from very And of course, then these guys came along at thirty three dollars sixty in the stock. Uh, Got bid up, and they have said that that's you know that's a binding offer, and the board has said you know what we don't believe you, we don't think you're going to be able to get it um, together, Um, and we're going to go with the Varian bid at 28 bucks, which is an interesting um, scenario at the moment. That after the um, the company announced that uh, they would go with the Varian bid and the Varian weren't going to um, increase the bid, the stock dropped. Uh, considerably um, and hit uh, 28.40 at one stage, which, looks, which looked like a screaming bargain, given, <laughs> given the kind of the battle that's going on here. So, um, yeah, more to play out in this one. It's improved today. It's back up to 29.10, um, but certainly, you know, you've got a $28 bid uh, that the board's approved. You've got a $33.60 bid that the board hasn't approved. Um, you know... <laughs> I've, I've, you know, at some stage these these bidders have to go hostile, and I guess you have to put it to the shareholders, hmm. and you have to say, you know, what what do you want? Do you want the twenty eight bucks, or do you want the thirty three dollars sixty? And as a shareholder, I think I'd be tempted to say, well, you know what? Give it a shot at thirty three dollars sixty, because that's that's a significant increase that's right. on, on twenty eight dollars, mm. and. If you believe you can get it over the line, and get all the approvals in place, then go for your life. And I don't see why they, they wouldn't be able to. There's no um, FIRB kind of consequence for mm. for Um, for um mm. So, yeah, it's just a matter, I guess, of getting the, the, the money and the debt funding and all that kind of stuff organised. But, yeah, I you know, kind of think they should put it to shareholders, ultimately.
1: And uh, AGL's been told they have to cut their prices or they're going <sighs> to risk... Um Divest, forced dis- divestment of their assets.
2: Well, the government can't do that. That's, that's you know the A Triple C, which looks at these sorts of things, has said you know what you, we can't. We've got no mandate to do that for a company like AGL. Um, the government is just trying to bully and strong arm AGL into uh, selling uh, their Liddell asset to Alinta, um, and AGL have said you know what you can't force us to do something that goes against. Uh, most things that, uh, certainly most things the Liberal Party would believe in, and uh, most things that um, you know, Australia would believe in, forcing companies to do stuff from a government, is, uh, is a slippery, slippery road. So um, uh, Liddell looks like it's going to be redeveloped by AGL at the moment, um, and the ACCC commissioner said, well, you know what's it's none of our business, so um, we'll wait and see what happens. But um, certainly, again, this, this whole energy question, cost of energy, is a, is a political football that um, they just love bouncing around.
1: So if people want to keep up to date, Harry, they can,
2: they can get a... They can go to uh, marcustoday.com.au and they can get a two-week free trial and they can uh, see how we're going and give us a bit of a, a, bit of a trial and read all, all the stuff that we do. So, yeah, it's um, well worth doing. I would, I would heartily recommend it. That okay. I would. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, well, you've written it, Henry, you've written it so it's Well, I, I, write, I write some of it, I some, don't
2: write all of it But um, some of it. yeah, between yeah. Marcus and I, we write
0: it Excellent, so we look forward to talking to you again next week, Henry Jennings
2: Thanks very much, see you guys Thanks, Henry.
0: And he's from the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter Thursday finance and well the state of the Hunter economy affects us all and we're joined now Stephen Pritchard by Dr Anthea Bill who is lead economist at the Hunter Research Foundation Centre at the University of Newcastle. Stephen over to you.
1: So Anthea the, the, Hunter, the Hunter Research Foundation does a lot of research on the local economy and, uh, and I know it does um, breakfast presentations and supplies information statistics to a lot of uh, business houses around town, so I thought we'd just yep. talk about a few things that might be applicable to, to our listeners. Great, thank and, you. and one of the things they're all concerned about is, um, well, two sides here, housing prices basically from uh, um, people buying their houses and other people wanting to invest in housing. So so we, what's happening with the housing market in, in this region?
3: Well, well, over a long term, we take a long term perspective, it's been travelling really well, um, particularly within Newcastle and Lake Macquarie since 2012. And that kind of times in with the Reserve Bank lowering its official um, interest rate over that period. And so we've seen growth in the Sydney market over that period, but we've seen really strong growth in the Hunter and, um, Newcastle and Lake Macquarie are looking at, you know, it's around 50% price rises over that period. Um, Hunter overall has had around about 30% or a bit higher, um, tracking now in, in March 2018. That's the latest data that we've got. Um, so over the long term, it, it's, it's a, it's a very good picture. And obviously there's differences at the suburb level. So some suburbs have been running hotter than others within Newcastle and Lake Macquarie. Um, in the Hunter balance, there's been some mixed results. Um, over that period, the upper hunters experienced some declines, uh, most notably um, in the Musselbrook LGA. Um, Maitland and Port Stevens has still been growing pretty well over that period, um, but Musselbrook has rebounded quite recently. The recent picture in terms of the last year has been some cooling in terms of the annual average growth rate. Not so much in the Newcastle LGA. So the latest figure I was looking at this morning, this is sort of the year to March two thousand eighteen, is twelve percent growth in um, house prices within the Newcastle LGA and the median house prices sitting at a record six hundred and thirty five thousand. But Lake Macquarie's had a little bit less growth than it has had in previous years. It's at two point three percent growth. And we've seen some um some slight falls Quarter on quarter across a couple of other LGAs. Musselbrook, as I said, has um, shown very strong growth, 13% growth over the year to date, so it's showing a bit of a rebound in the um, declines that it had been experiencing. And I guess that cooling is consistent with the message that's coming nationally and from Sydney and Melbourne property markets which have experienced some cooling in their house prices and apartment prices quarter on quarter, um, for the last, um, year or so. And that's, um, sitting in line with movements by the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority to kind of increase lending standards to take the heat out of that investor segment in those markets. And, um, there's debate obviously around whether that there's going to be a soft landing or there might be sort of increased falls, um, in, particularly in those capital cities over the year. But, um, for now we're not seeing any price declines so much. As a cooling of
1: growth rates. So how, do, how does our growth rates, if you've got the stats there, compare with Sydney? So is the Newcastle prices been going up faster or slower, or than Sydney?
3: Yeah, well, from two thousand and twelve, Sydney's been running faster. Our yep. growth rates for Newcastle LGA, our growth rates would be sitting above. Sydney's, I think, maybe for the last year, but I'd have to check that. But certainly, um, I think the Sydney median house price has either been going nowhere or marginally falling. So, I mean, we're not seeing that. We're just seeing a slowing of the rate of growth. We're not seeing um, price decline.
1: Yeah, I kind of got the impression that our prices were kind of catching up to Sydney prices.
3: Yeah, I, I, no. Well, uh, so I think the median house price is above a million dollars within Sydney. So we're, we've got a way to go before we sort mean, of get as the, the Sydney the gap's kind of. Narrow. The gap, oh, definitely the gap. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, the gap, uh, we would be catching up in terms of the gap, absolutely, because we've had this, you know, we've had a mini-housing boom really yeah. since 2012. Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's a lot of talk about consumer confidence and that's flying through to poor retail sales in some sectors. Mm. So, and, and, you know, how, how's the general, you know, consumer confidence and business confidence and performance in this region?
3: Uh, yeah, well, uh, we we track business confidence by speaking to 300 businesses across the region um, every quarter, um, Hunter businesses, and we ask them a range of questions about um, their perfor- current performance, their future expectations of their performance, forward orders, trading profitability, um, and their confidence in the regional economy overall. And the region's business performance has been at a decade high throughout 2017, um, and improved. Um, are still further at the end of um, 2017. So, capital expenditure intentions um, jumped substantially, um, and that's in line with national trends. So, there's been a lot of national surveys coming out indicating some strengthening in terms of um, business intentions and evidence of business investment. Um, local businesses uh, have uh, really had improvements around hiring intentions in the short term and the long term. Forward orders um, have extended the, their improvements shown in previous quarters. So they're at the best they've been since December 2009 during the mining investment boom. Um, business for businesses um, projections of their confidence for the next 12 months is back at pre pre-GFC, pre-GFC levels of September 2017 2007. So it's a really good picture for hunter businesses. Um, and that's sort of consistent with the national story. It's to do with, uh, I guess, you know, low interest rates, um, where the dollar's sitting at the moment. Um, it's to do with improvements in the national and global economy. Uh Locally, we've seen a rally in thermal coal prices, so we've seen some... Um, uh, employment come on 1,000 um, jobs added over 2017 in mining and we've seen um, obviously the continuing of the house price and construction boom from 2012 onwards flowing through to jobs in the local economy and and business investment. So it's a really good story for um, businesses and what we also found in the data that we've been collecting is we asked businesses about their main business constraint and we've found less and less businesses um, particularly since the windback in mining investment when business performance went into negative territory in the indexes which we collect which means most firms were expecting a decline in their performance in say late um, 2013 um, now what we're seeing is that less businesses are reporting a lack of sales and orders as their main constraint on their business, business And more businesses are reporting um, the constraint being um, finding suitable labour uh, So with some evidence that um, getting the right skill set in a business is becoming more of a problem for Hunter businesses
1: So, so- does the region's economy still, you mentioned we've put on a thousand jobs in the coal mining industry, so is the region's economy still highly skewed to the coal mining industry?
3: Well, not in employment terms. When you look at, you know, sort of where our big um, industries are in terms of employment, I mean, number one is healthcare and social assistance, and then it's retail, construction, education and training. Um, I think manufacturing's in there, accommodation, and food services, and then there's mining. But when we have a look, there's still supply chains that come from mining. Mm-hmm. So there's still um, a lot of firms in the region that supply the mining sector, and certainly in the data that we've been collecting, we've been collecting quarterly data for 30 years within the region. You can really see in the data the negative impact of the windback in mining investment um, across Hunter businesses. It's amplified in the Upper Hunter. So we run the same survey in the Upper Hunter, and obviously that that impact is amplified. But um, we can see a market downturn around um, late 2000, and sort of uh, mid 2013, um, and an improvement starting in early 2015, and that's reflected in the labour market data as well. So. So um, I think we've had a lot of diversification in the hunter economy and, and a movement towards services as has occurred nationally um, you can see that in our sort of top sectors there in health and education and retail um, but uh, I think we're still uh, still quite dependent compared to other economies across Australia on the mining sector
1: So one of the things that Pete, or our clients are concerned about all they or everyone seems to be concerned about is is housing affordability and kind of linked to that to mortgage stress and then we've got the yeah. and it's already good for the prices to go up if you already own the house so how's that affecting people who are trying to buy a house and
3: absolutely yeah absolutely and we've actually got a um, index that we um, compile in-house on first home buyer affordability within the region so it's a unique index. For the region and we have a look at changes in median house prices we have a look at changes in interest rates we have a look at average weekly earnings we have a look at any first home buyer concessions um, that are coming through from state government and then we've been tracking since um, the late 90s. Um, the index. And what we can see when we look at the index is um, very unfortunately at the moment, um, and probably not surprisingly, it's um, at its highest level, the index, which is the least affordable that it's been historically. And um, what it shows is really, as you uh, alluded to, Steve, that you know, it's higher, higher house prices have really cancelled out um, lower interest rates for first-home buyers. So even though... We've had, we're at record low um, historic interest rates um, and, um, you know, we haven't seen any increase even most recently from the Reserve Bank. Uh, high house prices relative to wage increases and wages have been pretty sluggish in the Australian economy of late, um, are pushing first uh, homes out of reach for a lot of um, housing market entrants or would-be housing market entrants. So uh, we actually had a breakfast earlier in the year just on the issue of housing affordability, looking at some of the generational concerns, looking at some of the issues for low, particularly low income renters. Um, and we had a look at the census data, the recent 2016 census, and had a look at changes in mortgage stress Mm -hmm. and rental stress. Um, And mortgage stress actually decreased, as it did for most of Australia, and that's simply because um, if you bought a house prior to these house price rises, and you're getting the benefit of the lower interest rates, so interest rates fell over that. That census period from 2011 to 2016, then you're sitting pretty well. You've actually probably got less mortgage stress than you might have had in 2011. But if you bought a house more recently, um, since the house price rises have occurred in this mini boom from 2012, um, then you're not feeling relief of the the lower interest rates necessarily because you're wearing the higher house price.
1: The Hunter Valley Research Foundation publishes a lot of information. So where where can people go and get some of this information.
3: It's all available on our website um, uh, publicly. A lot of our, our breakfast presentations and our publications. We're also open to get inquiries from members of the public around um, data that we may have in house. You know, we've got this amazing thirty-year um, data sets of consumer and business behaviour quarter on quarter across the region So, and a lot of um, sort of periodic um, publications that we put out around things like information and communication technology used across the Hunter. We've got a wellbeing survey that looks at. Um, Hunter residents' wellbeing, so sort of moving on from these um, economic notions of income and employment to look at health, wealth, and happiness across communities in the Hunter. Um, yeah, a whole range of publications. Um, so please uh, ha- have a look at the data because it is publicly available and all um, come along to one of our breakfasts. Okay. Thanks for that. Thank
0: you very much indeed, Dr. Anthea Bill from the Hunter Valley Research Foundation Centre at the University of Newcastle. Thursday Finance will be back next Thursday after the midday news on 2NURFM.
2: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.